0: Hello, welcome to this edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at L-O underscore Penguins. Today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. You can go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. So, also joining us today, we have a special guest. He's never been on the Locked On Penguins podcast before, but um, I thought it would be a great time to bring him on here as we're hopefully getting closer to the start of the season. There's still not been too much news from the weekend, but... um. J Fresh Hockey, aka Jack, is joining the show. Um, does g- a great job on his site. Just a lot of analytically based player cards and other data visualizations that are just I love retweeting just because he does a great job with them. Uh, Jack, how you doing, man?
1: I'm not doing too bad. I'm I'm trapped inside my house for 14 days because I just uh, headed back home. So mm-hmm. uh, not a lot to do. Really wish there was a season going on, but uh, I guess what can you really do?
0: Yeah, exactly. It, it feels so weird, man, that we're in December. And usually you'd be about, what, 25 games into the season now almost? And,
1: somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah. and we're just... We're usually we're- the Penguins would have at least seven guys out with an injury right
0: now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially around this time last year, I think, because uh, Sid was still hurt and everyone was just... Yeah, I was that I was nuts. But um, yeah, and there's no injury bug right now at least, so that that's good news. But... Um, wanted to bring you on talk all about the team, you know, but first off, um, what was your earliest memory of, you know, watching this team or just the penguins in general, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I can give you the exact one. So I, I'm home right now, uh, in, uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, which is my hometown. Uh, and I can tell you that my first penguins memory is, uh, sitting in front of the draft lottery when I was nine years old, mm-hmm. uh, deciding that wherever the kid down the road got, uh, got picked, that would be my favorite team. So, Sidney Crosby just happened to end up on the penguins and uh that was settled and it's been about 15 years since then and uh I think that that was probably a decent choice on my head
0: yeah you made definitely the correct choice in uh, picking the penguins especially with the three Stanley Cups that they've uh won since then um mine was you know back when I think I was six years old 2003 the Rico Fada years I remember because I went to a rush time with my family up in Pittsburgh and I, I remember I asked my mom like who's on tv there and she was like, oh, that's the Penguins. Um, there's Rico Fadas on there. I was like, oh, well, I don't really remember too much after that, but I just I remember asking about it. But, um, you know, let's just well, – now let's fast forward 15, 17 years later, get to the 2020-2021 Penguins. Um, Jack, a lot of moves they made this offseason. We all knew that was coming just because of that's who Jim Rutherford is. Um, he just likes to make moves. You know, just Sometimes he likes to do it for the sake of doing it. Um, if you had to pick one that you liked the most, and I know there's probably not many that a lot of people like, which one would it be? And if you had to pick the one that you liked the least, which one would it be?
1: Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, it might be a bit obvious. Uh, the one that I like the most is obviously buying out Jack Johnson. That is, yeah. I, you know, it, it had to be done. I, I, I think had a hunch that it was going to happen a little bit earlier than most people did. Uh, I think as soon as they signed, uh, Ricola. I think that kind of clued me yeah. in that that was what they were going to do. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I have I've think I've hit enough about Jack Johnson over the past year of <laughs> being an online person and far before that. But, uh, you know, he's a bottom defenseman in the league, maybe the worst defenseman in the league. And uh, he had, you know, which which wouldn't be the end of the world if he was the seventh defenseman. But. You know, he he just has that talent for getting coaches to play him way above his uh, his role and uh, just not scratching him. And it was about time they got rid of him. And I uh, I for one am, am not going to be too unhappy to never see him in a Penguins jersey again for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I should have honestly phrased the question that uh, besides the Jack Johnson move. Uh, yeah, there move, you go.
1: I really caught you out there. Yeah, no, um, yeah that
0: was my fault though. But go ahead.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, I'll I, I'll I won't take the uh, the easy way uh, then. Uh, I I think that they did a nice job with their depth signings Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of, I think they uh, identified on the forward end. I I mean, uh, I think they did a good job of identifying guys who uh, were available kind of in the bargain bin, uh, maybe who shouldn't have been uh, if you were just going off kind of their previous season's performance uh, and not what happened in this past season. Uh, For example, you know, Evan Rodriguez, had a tough year. Obviously, the Penguins ended up kind of picking him up in the uh, over the deadline. But if you look at his body of work from before last season, he was a perfectly good third line player for Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And I'm uh, not a guy who you really should have been able to pick up for you know league minimum for one year. Uh, so I really like bringing him back. And then uh, Jankowski, I mean, you know, literally the most unlucky player in the NHL last year in terms of his, his teammates finishing their chances. I think he ended up with like a, like a 3.5% on ice shooting percentage. And he, and he actually shot 10% himself. So (laughs) Really? Like if you're talking about a guy getting let down by his line mates or, or just getting unlucky, like Mark Jankowski's the guy. So he's not an offensive dynamo by any stretch, but he's a really good defensive player. A guy that I was kind of hoping the penguins would, would maybe take a look at and, uh, you know, I, I hopefully that was some some San San Ventura. You know, kind of getting the assignment to find the cheap guys to target, and uh, I think that worked out. You know, we're talking about the the worst ones. I think that really kind of the two marquee moves they made are are not too great in my mind. Uh, and you know what, like Cody CC, I'm sure is kind of one that that's kind of getting keyed up here, but you know, I don't like CC as a player. I don't necessarily like what it means in terms of what the Penguin's depth chart looks like on D right now. Uh, at, at the very least, the one year 1.2 could be a lot worse. And mm. there are things that he can do in a bottom pairing role defensively at least. But, uh, I really, like I said with Johnson earlier, I really get scared of those guys who, you know, consistently manage to get their coaches to play them up in the lineup when they shouldn't be. And, uh, CC's that guy, and and I'm really afraid of what happens if, you know, Morido maybe has a sophomore slump or Latane gets hurt, and suddenly we're looking at uh, Cody CC as a guy who's on the top pair or the second pair for an extended part of the year.
0: God forbid that happens. Um, God, God, God help us all. To be honest with you, uh, that would just be utterly terrible. I mean, the CC thing. I get the sense that, you know, they probably won't give him as long of a leash as they did for Jack Johnson. Why they gave Jack Johnson such a long leash is beyond me. I don't know who was behind that. If it was Sullivan, Jacques Martin, all of them combined of uh, Jim Rutherford too. I mean, obviously I think him, but I mean, I think they would actually take CC out of the lineup. If he made a couple mistakes because Chad Burrito would be ready to fill in. And I think honestly, hopefully he wins the six, number six job in CC just, gets down to the number seven because that would just be so much better for the penguins in general because he can actually move the puck up the ice um even if you don't really look at analytics you just watch the games i mean cc doesn't even pass watching him i mean his we all know his numbers are terrible but just watching him play i mean the the big clip that i remember is i think dimitri Filipovich posted on twitter he like missed the net by like 150 feet And it was probably one of the saddest shot attempts I've ever seen in my life.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The thing with CC, like especially with the leaks last year is, uh, is that his, his defense isn't bad. Like, like, and even, you know, like there was that notorious uh, Kyle Dubas tweet where he said, you know, our, our internal numbers are a lot kinder to Cody CC Mm -hmm. than what you might see in public, which, you know, I don't know if that's totally true based on, you know, I think the, the amount of data that we have, from last year on Cody CC publicly kind of says the same thing where his defensive performance was actually, you know, decent to strong. Uh, It's just that, you know, and and like you said, with the the missing the side of the barn, he just has zero puck skills. Mm -hmm. Like he has consistently in his career just been a complete disaster when forced to carry or move the puck uh, or, or do anything within the offensive zone. Uh, And that's really where the problem comes. And, you know, that might pose some issues, if we want to talk about lineup construction later on uh, and what the roster is probably going to look like, especially on D. But uh, yeah, you know, like, like Cody CC is not Jack Johnson. He's not going to be the worst defense the Penguins have played in the past five years, but uh, it's just kind of a, an unforced error where, like you said, you have Ruedel who has had really great underlying numbers in terms of his defensive play mm-hmm. while he was with the Penguins and, you know, they have him so cheap. He, he has proven himself to be reliable. I just don't understand why you would throw another wrench into that defense combination, especially when, in theory, he would be kind of a strong counterpoint to uh, to Mike Matheson on a bottom pair.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I would much prefer a Ruedel-Matheson pairing than a Matheson-CC pairing, but we're probably going to get the latter as opposed to the former. I mean, it's not going to be as bad as the Johnson-Schultz pairing. I don't think anything will top that pairing as just how – bad it was but i think it still just won't be that good and you know going back to your point about jankowski i mean i do remember i think he was a 15 16 goal scorer just a season ago before this past season um i think he also his shooting percentage was high that year if i'm not mistaken i'd have to go double uh, check that but that was still on a calgary flames team that doesn't have too much depth beyond their top six and well their third line is actually not bad but you know he was mostly playing in their bottom six and You know, I'm hoping that he can rediscover that kind of scoring touch that he had Um, with Jared McCann, who was also a big wild card uh, going into this year. Some people just don't really know what to expect out of him. I'm hoping that he can have a big bounce back at center. And then, you know, part of me does wish, though, Jack, that they would have gone after someone like Jesper Faust in the offseason, who I, he's really, his underlying numbers are really good. I love a player like Craig Smith. Um, I think he signed in Boston three years, $3.1 million per. Um, the Penguins could have afforded that if they would have, you know, did some other moves, maybe not ate as much salary on the Johnson buyout. Or hopefully they would have, well, if they would have find, found a taker to take all of his contract, that would have been ideal. And then, you know, not to buy out, um, not to save 50% on Nick Bukestad's contract when they traded into Minnesota. So I just wish they would have found other ways to save some more money so they could go out and get a player like Craig Smith, who would have just been a, perfect fit on that third line with jared mccann
1: yeah i think i'm i think i've been the same boat as you are in terms of uh, like i said before like i like rodriguez and i like jankowski but mm-hmm. I, I like those as like real like depth additions like mm-hmm. fourth line filling type additions i don't know how much i love them as like the guys that you get for the third line and uh and like i, I totally agree with you that when I look at that Penguins roster, the biggest weakness that stands out to me is, is who is going to score goals outside Mm -hmm. of that top six, because, you know, like you said with, with McCann uh, you know, he obviously had a really nice goal scoring year. I think based on the stats and, and history of kind of how percentages tend to play out year over year, I think he's probably due for a pretty big regression next year. Uh, I think uh, Rust undeniably, like like I, I, I hate to say it for, for any excited Penguins fans listening, but Brian Rust isn't going to be a point per game player next year. He, he he was very fortunate that that line with him and Malkin scored at a pretty crazy clip, and uh, it would be pretty much unprecedented from a percentage luck perspective for him to repeat what he did. Uh, now that's going to be made up for for the Penguins by a full year of Zucker full year of Gensel Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about the top six at least well we'll get to maybe one big issue with the top six but uh uh, yeah like the bottom six I think it's competent like there's nobody on it that sticks out to me as I don't want them on the team it's just like you know like you said like if they had just gotten a play driver like Smith or gotten maybe a guy with some offensive upside like uh Michael Granlund Mm -hmm. you know there could be some kind of exciting things going on in that bottom six. And, and I just kind of see, you know, just like a lot of competent enough filler that isn't really exciting me in terms of getting this team kind of to the next level where they hadn't been for a while.
0: Yeah. You know, they, they, they did a lot of these, just these boat, these buy low kind of moves, I guess is the way you would, most people would describe them. Just, you know, they're not going to hurt you 700 K. I think it's 1.4 million combined between the two, but you know, like I said, I wish they would have just paid someone like Foss or Smith or even Mikael Granlund, like you said, to play on the third line as opposed to someone like Rodriguez or Jankowski. I mean, it's not to say that those moves were bad because I thought they were fine, but you know, getting a play driver like Smith or Granlund or Foss, who's I mean, more defensively minded than um, the other two, I think would still been better. But you know, before we do get to one of those problems that you mentioned, I, I think I know what you're referring to. Um, we're gonna get that in the next segment. Um, it's time to talk about. Built Bar, there's 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors, uh, cookies and cream, caramel brownie, carrot cake, apple almond crisper, a few of them. Uh, The 12 original flavors, a few of them, double chocolate, salted caramel, mint brownie, banana bread, coconut. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. One of my favorite flavors is still the cookies and cream. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories. Four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs. You can go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. All right, so we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Um, Jack, I think, I think I know what problem you're referring to potentially in the top six. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, it would be the Kasperi Kapanen situation. Um, the Penguins acquired him from the Toronto Maple Leafs in that big deal that sent, you know, Philip Hollander and Evan Rodriguez and, of course, the top 15, one of the top 15 overall picks in the 2020 NHL Draft, the number 15 pick. um, Exactly. Um, I still, like, I I keep going back and forth on this deal. It's so weird to me. Like, I think he can be really good with Crosby, then I have days where it's like, uh, I don't know, like maybe he works better with Jared McCannon, You know, he always, he had that great season in 2018-19, you know, playing with um, I think he played with Matthews most of that year. Uh, it was his most uh qual- his most. Ugh, I'm like missing up the word right now. It's his most um quality line mate, I guess. And then this past season, just really didn't put it together. I had a big slump, and so you know I'm just it, it's questionable, I think, to say the least. What, what do you th- was that the one that you were referring to?
1: Yeah, yeah. I I am not sold at all on Casper Caput as a mm-hmm. top six forward, uh, let alone a top line forward. Uh, I I am you know I'll, I'll just preface it the underlying numbers of Kapanen are not impressive at all in terms of his play driving or goal driving or defense or anything like that he really is kind of you know he, he, he profiles as being a third line player analytically uh, and, and this is a guy who I you know I, I'm in Halifax right now I usually live in Toronto all my friends are Leafs fans so I watch kind of a disproportionate number of Leafs games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you watch this guy and you see what is going on behind the results. And what's going on is that, you know, I, I think people are talking about him as being a really good fit with Crosby. I know that that was kind of the, the company line when he was traded. And I'm assuming that that was why Rutherford specifically targeted him to an extent that they were willing to kind of pay above what was expected market value for him. Uh, but I, I think the reasons that they are saying that he'd be good with Sid are totally superficial and don't really fit at all with, I think, what Sid actually succeeds with. You know, we're hearing about you know Kappen is fast, he has a good shot, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff. But he, he Kapanen's biggest problem is a lack of hockey IQ, uh, and he really doesn't think the game at the same speed of his skates, and he definitely doesn't handle the puck at the same speed as his skates. So I think he's a really limited player in terms of what he can do. For a guy like Sid who in the past we've seen has really valued having guys play with him who can think the game at a level that allows them to kind of support him a little bit more. You know, you talk about Gensel's obviously a super smart player, you know, even Connor Sheary. you know, he fell down a bunch, but he was still a guy (laughs) who think the game at a high level and and Sid really liked playing with him for that reason. And then even, uh, I mean, even Hornfest. You know, he's not exactly a superstar, but he uh, he can get, he knows what areas to get to. He knows what he needs to do to support Sid. With Kapanen, I just kind of don't see that whenever I watch him. He really seems like a kind of one and done rush style player. He's not a huge puck retriever. He's not a big four checker. He's not a very good passer. Uh, he had that stretch with Austin Matthews, uh, although I think that he too was kind of bumped up a lot by some very uh, fortunate. Uh, shooting luck that Matt when Matthews is just completely going off to start that season mm-hmm. uh, with, with Neal under out. Uh, I really think, and I think that uh, I'm not alone in this, you know, Jesse Marshall and I have been kind of both sounding this bell. I really think Sid is not going to like with them. I think it's going to be kind of the light version of when they tried to put Kessel with Crosby at the beginning of the uh, 15 season, That's Right. Yeah. Where, where it's just kind of everybody thinks, Oh, Kapanen, he's a speedy scorer. Like Sid loves playing with speedy scorers. And we're going to find out very quickly that Sid isn't a rush player uh, and he wants guys who can get him the puck and support him and retrieve pucks and and do all that stuff. And that is just not Kapanen's game at all. So it really wouldn't surprise me to see us in a situation where Kapanen is playing with Malkin, which where I think he would be a better fit, although I I still, obviously, not an upgrade on Rust, uh, or even on that third line where, again, I don't see him as super complimentary for for McCann either. This really just isn't a trade for me that fits the roster uh, or even really acquires a guy who I think is a guaranteed top six forward, which is, you know, the Penguins weren't exactly overflowing with assets. If you're giving up a 15th overall pick, you better be getting a guy who, you know, you can at least be approaching as confident as Jason Zucker that you're getting a proper top six forward. Exactly. Really don't see Kapanen as a guarantee. You know, he could be, he could score 30 goals and prove me wrong. <laughs> but I mean, we have to judge this trade as it stands from how it looks right now. And and I really just don't see a very good fit.
0: Yeah. I mean, I have him at around 20, 22 goals next year. I mean, that's like, that's my thinking right now. I mean, I could see him at 25, but I don't think he's going to be at 30. I mean, that's if, also if the fit is just great on Crosby's line, but I do agree with you. I mean, you look at a lot of Sid's wingers in the past, you know, was great with Chris Kunitz, who could really think the game through, a really good playmaker. Um, his skating, obviously, he's not as good as Kapanen's, but you know, he just, he, just, he knew he was just a good two-way player. And you know, the same with Pascal Dupuis. I mean, people kind of laughed at well, why was Pascal Dupuis on the top line. You know, he, he thinks the game through, he can score, and he's a good passer too. And got, those are the kind of wingers that I think that Sid just loves to play with. I mean, obviously, him and Gensel are great together, just because Gensel, like you said, thinks the game as well and Connor sherry you know he really i think fed off said even though you know everyone loved, loved to make fun of them just because he fell a lot but i mean i did also like your point at the end there i mean if you're getting a top if you're trading your number 15 pick you better be getting a pretty damn good player in return and i think that's just the big thing in the trade that a lot of people including myself did not like it was just the cost to acquire like you could have gone out and got like an actual bona fide top six winger for that number 15 pick just because like we all knew they were probably going to trade it um because that's what Jim Rutherford has done almost every year that he's been here with the first round picks but I mean I think you could have done better than Kasperi Kapanen um for the number 15 pick and you know I, I've, I've been thinking about this as well I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is on the third line for a lot of this season with Jared McCann it's honestly, probably his best fit. I mean, it 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 balances out the depth. You can move someone else up on the, to play on the top line with uh, Sid and Gensel, and, you know, it, it'll probably still work out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, is uh, you know, I, again, I, like Jared McCann's kind of a tricky player for me. I've, I haven't, you know, he, I haven't done, done like a big deep dive into him just because, you know, there's limited league-wide interest in the Penguins' third-line center, but... <sighs> Guy who I think is super interesting because he his defensive impacts have always been pretty good. Like he's a very strong defensive player, and like he belongs in the middle of the ice for that reason. Mm. But he's super limited as a playmaker, and he really does most of his stuff off the rush. He's kind of like if Brandon Sutter was as good as people kind of pretended that he was for a while there, uh, you know he's he's good defensively and he has a great shot and he plays down the wing or he plays uh, off the rush. But, you know, it takes a kind of very specific player to support a guy like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't really see the Penguins, even with Kaepernick in there, having a guy who can really complement him properly. And and I still think that we might talking be, be talking about the Penguins looking for another third-line center just because they didn't really surround him with the guys that he needs to really succeed.
0: Yeah, that's, I think, one of the big things around this offseason that I'm kind of still mad about with Jim Rutherford I mean you saw in the playoffs when they when they lost to Montreal you know you're putting the corpse of Patrick Marleau on his line and Patrick Hornquist I mean those are just two players that are not good fits for him I mean, Marleau couldn't even really skate on the ice it was just really painful to watch and then Hornquist just he's a good player still and obviously he's not going to be here next year which we're going to talk about coming up next but I yeah. mean it just wasn't like the right fit for him for the third line for the third line and they just got to get, uh, two line mates that can just surround him and like just, I think they just need two offensively minded players around him. You know, I just, it, it it kind of scares me that they're going to put Jankowski and Rodriguez next to him just because I don't think that's what McCann needs next season. I think he needs someone, you know, like a captain or, you know, like a Craig Smith, if they were, if they went out and got him, that that's just, I think my biggest gripe with the penguins this off season. Um, But, you know, changing gears a little bit, Jack, what are your thoughts on Mike Matheson? You know, we saw some of his underlying numbers from this offseason. I can't remember which account tweeted this out. I think it was his, um, uh, it, 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 it's kind of escaping me right now, but you know, some of his underlying numbers were actually pretty decent, but then, you know, you look more in depth and it's like, eh, like it still could be a lot better. I mean, obviously a good skater can move the puck off the, up the ice is good in the offensive zone. But, you know, then it all goes to crap in the defensive zone where he is just his numbers back there are just atrocious. So, I mean, what do you think of that? Just, I mean, we all know how bad his contract
1: is, but, you know, just
0: overall, what are your thoughts on him for the Penguins?
1: Yeah, just setting aside his contract, uh, there are things that uh, I think are okay about Matheson. You know, again, like I said with CeCe, he's not the worst defenseman in the league. Like, but this isn't Johnson 2.0. Like, he can play. He's an NHL defenseman. But there are again like with Kapanen some fit issues where I think superficially he you can make him seem like a really good fit and kind of what the Penguins need mm. but when you dive a little bit deeper you end up saying like is this really the guy who is going to be successful on this Penguins team uh so for example I, I I'm not sure what what account it was that that would have tweeted out those stats but uh there are definitely certain areas where Matheson's you know, his, his super underlying numbers, like if you were looking at his it, kind of macro stat impacts on certain things, like you said, you know, exits with possession of the puck, zone entries with possession of the puck, stuff like that, he'll look really good. And, and I think it has led a lot of people to think, okay, you know what? Like the Penguins, you know, he's not a perfect player, but the Penguins really needed this a great possession player, a great uh, transition player, that, like move the puck and make the first pass and all this stuff. And I think they kind of, in some cases, have talked themselves into Matheson as the answer to that problem. But if you dive a little bit deeper into those numbers, uh, y- you see that Matheson is not a breakout defenseman in the way that we normally would think of it on the Penguins. He's not making the first pass, like a crisp first pass out of the zone. What Matheson loves to do is carry the puck. So Matheson isn't a transition defenseman in the way that we would normally think about them on the Penguins. Uh, so, The way the Penguins like their defense to play, uh, unless it's Shai Johnson, in which case it will just be flung wildly up the ice, is they want their defenseman to make a quick first pass so that the, the forwards can gain the offensive zone with speed and then probably dump it in, chase it, and then force the defenders on their heels. Matheson doesn't play that way. Matheson loves to carry the puck. So he wants to get the puck in the defensive zone either by retrieving it or by being passed it by his partner and then carry the puck using his speed across the blue line. And in a lot of cases into the offensive zone with it on his stick. Um, And so that looks good when you're looking at kind of graphs that are showing his possession exits and possession entries. But what a lot of the time leads to is that he doesn't have the skill to really do anything with it in the offensive zone once he gets there. So if you look at highlights of him making those plays, a lot of the time, they end with him making a really stupid play, or turning it over, or getting canceled out, or forcing it on net, uh, and that's kind of where the play dies. And when you talk about a team like the Penguins, you know, like we said, uh, they're a breakout team. They want their forwards to lead the rush. Even Chris Letang is kind of their their biggest kind of puck carrier entry player, uh, and he barely does it. Like he's like average across the entire league. There is no way that Mike Sullivan is going to let Mike Matheson carry the puck out of the zone and into the offensive zone when he could be passing to Evgeny Malkin or Sidney Crosby. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, there's, so there's I no feel way. like the thing that makes Mike Matheson stand out and probably made him stand out to Jim Rutherford is not a thing that he's going to be doing uh, in Pittsburgh or a thing that he, he better not be doing in Pittsburgh or uh, they're going to be in a lot of trouble in terms of uh, what's going on. Yeah. Uh, on top. Go ahead. No, go ahead.
0: Uh, I was I was just gonna say I finally did find these underlying numbers. It was from the, um, the the ones that I think that a lot of people were talking about. I think it was from the point of uh, the point hockey on Twitter. Just a lot of data driven hockey an- analysts um, analysis. I should say. Good grief. Uh, okay, I got a case of the Mondays here. Um, out of like 200 qualified defensemen, they had his uh, controlled a- a zone exits 2.9 per game, which they ranked 37th loose puck recoveries 21 25th puck battle wins 3.1 that's like third among 2200 and then his turnover rate was 17% which was 187th out of 200 qualified defensemen so i think that's those yeah. are the numbers that a lot of people were referencing that like oh well mike Matheson isn't as bad as um, what some people make him out to be but you know like you said if you look deeper at his other um, underlying numbers i mean you would know that like it's just it's just not the case i would say
1: yeah, I'm glad you brought those up because uh, so the the Point Hockey is the kind of blog, like the public facing blog of mm-hmm. uh, uh, SportLogic, which is kind of one of the premier like private analytics firms that's out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they collect crazy amounts of data that usually we don't get to see. But occasionally, like in this case, you do kind of get a quick glimpse at it. And in this case, I think it does tell you quite a bit about Matheson in terms of you know, there are things that he can do quite well, you know, those puck recoveries and those puck battle wins, he's got a good stick. Obviously he can skate and and that helps him out quite a bit, but yeah, he just, he he tries to do so much with the puck. He thinks so highly of what he can do with the puck Mm. that he ends up racking up those turnovers. And if you watch him play, you're going to see he, a lot of those turnovers are just him making a really stupid play when he could have just made a simple one that, uh, that would have just, you know, passed the, puck out of zone and got the Panthers on their way so he's in for kind of a real rude awakening I feel from Mike Sullivan who really is not going to let him do what he has been getting away with in Florida and you know hopefully it makes him a better defenseman uh, and and it can turn him into a guy who can be kind of the capable uh, offensive defenseman on that third pairing that kind of adds a little bit of depth offense uh to the bottoms to to the bottom of the lineup but also helps out the bottom six when he's on the ice but what i'm kind of afraid of is that it's really just going to be the turnovers and then it's just going to kind of limit the stuff that he can do uh with the puck on his stick so again superficially you know good skater transition player blah, blah blah when you dig deeper into it i'm just not really convinced that there's a good fit here and uh you know well, Hornqvist, there's, like, a good case to be made for why they had to get that contract off the books. You know, I, I'd be more worried, you know, even next year, let alone two years from now, uh, about that Matheson contract, uh, paying him, like, a top-four defenseman, uh, rather than having Hornqvist, who you know he's overpaid, but you at least know that you can stick him in front of the net and, and get good things done on the power play, even if you have to hide him down the lineup in other situations.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, he'll still produce, like... 40, 45 points for the Penguins over the next. If he were if he were to um stay for the next season or two, I think he would have still been like a forty to forty five point player. Um, just especially because of his power play minutes. I mean, he'll get a bunch of assists and goals on there just because he's so great in front of the net. And you know, his even strength numbers aren't what they used to be. But I mean, you said they can just hide him on the th- third line like they were doing for a lot of last season, and he was still producing um pretty pretty decently um at you know whatever power play 5v5 whatever but yeah madison yeah. it's just he's not gonna flay out the, that whole contract here i mean he's gonna be traded i think at some point there's just no way jim rutherford is gonna keep him for the next what is it six years or so i think it's like a six yeah year well year. I,
1: I you know i feel like that's gonna be one of the things that uh jim rutherford's successor inherits from him is gonna be figuring out what mm-hmm. to do with that madison contract because yeah you know like they're like like that was the thing that I really didn't like about this off season for the Penguins is that they really needed some, some sure things to shore up this lineup. And they paid dearly for two wild swings at maybes. You know, you're, you're, you're paying for maybe Casperry Kapanen isn't a third liner. Maybe he's a 30 goal for or a 25 goal first liner who can play with Sid. You're paying a 15th overall pick for that. Maybe, maybe Mike Matheson can be a real impact player. Uh, on a bottom pair who can play in the top four, if need be, you're paying him 4.7 for the next six years. You know these are these are huge gambles that are being made in an off season where the huge gambles were pretty cheap. Like if you're looking for agency, there's there's a lot of huge gambles out there that could could have been had for for pennies on the dollar in a kind of unique situation. And and other than I think taking advantage of maybe some guys in the bargain bin at the bottom of the lineup rutherford really didn't do that he kind of did kind of business as usual uh in terms of trades and paid kind of full value for guys from cash strap teams or guys who really had to move and uh, did a lot of teams and favors because he just got his heart set on certain guys who i'm not convinced are going to be really good fits in the lineup
0: yeah and honestly it just seems like with jim you know when he wants something he's just going to go out and get it he doesn't really give a shit um whether yeah. he this that's just the way he is um Finally, um, Jack, just a couple more things before we wrap this up. Uh, Mike Sullivan, you know, was under a lot of uh, fire, under a lot of heat just for his roster decisions in the playoffs. Rightfully so. I mean, he did make some very questionable decisions, um, especially with the third parry, not benching either one of them. I mean, some people want to point to him starting Matt Murray in the first three games over Christian Jari. I get it. You know, I, I still honestly, though, think going with Murray in game one was the right call. That's just, I'll, I'll honestly probably die on that hill until I'll, until he's no longer the coach of this team or, you know, if he just retires in this organization, it's not all. But I mean, I remember, I remember your post from over the summer um, talking about what to do with him. And I think you wrote, you know, you would keep him another year um, just because like the thought of firing him and just replacing him would just be too much. And, you know, I think some people do undervalue Mike Sullivan's importance to this team I have gone on record on this podcast and on my Twitter, and I've said there are not five coaches in this league who are a better who are better than him. I will stand by that. It's just, you know, he needs to start. I think getting some results this season, or I do think he may find himself out of a out of a head coaching job sooner rather than later. Even though I really don't want him to go.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's a brilliant coach. I, I think that he is. He's the best coach that the Penguins have had since I've been watching them, and, and I'm not just saying that because of the two cups. I I, yeah, I think that he, there's so many good things that I could say about him. Uh, I don't think anybody has adjusted to having injuries on a team the way that he has sustainably. I know that Biles kind of had that one half-season stretch where he did a nice job with that, but you know, he, he integrates kids into the lineup. His his roster decisions, generally, with the exception of the Schultz and Johnson thing, I think his his instinct for that has been sharper than with a lot of guys. And, you know, he isn't a guy who uses analytics. Uh, I think that, that, you know, that's been made pretty clear by beat reporters, mm-hmm. you know, by Rossi and Joey and, and, and all that, mm-hmm. who say that he's, he's not a guy who's really looking at the numbers. But at the same time, I think his instincts and his eye test are really in tuned to – what the analytics are saying otherwise like he has a good eye for guys who are driving possession of the puck or helping out lines or forechecking effectively you know like he's he's a guy who puts together the Bluger 10 of Aston Reese line and knows to keep Aston Reese in the lineup as opposed to scratching them for maybe you know a St. Lafferty type because he knows that Aston Reese is doing things that keep possession of the puck even if he may look like If you put me in the game uh, offensively Uh, and and I I think that kind of thing really can't be overstated because, you know, penguins fans when the coach is not doing things right. I mean, you know, we, we get furious about the line combinations and it's, you know, I, I even remember back to like when Mike Johnston was coach and they were, they had, you know, no left wing depth at all, but they were putting all their left wings on the right wing and all this just bizarre stuff. Sullivan doesn't do that. Sullivan is almost always on the ball when it comes to the roster. He deploys his guys. Well, he had them. I mean, they lose Crosby. They lose all these guys to injury uh, in Mm -hmm. December of last year. And he kind of remakes the team on the fly as this stifling defensive team. That was like a top three defensive team in the league at the halfway point last year. You know, there's not a lot of guys in the league who could kind of do that with their team. And, and Sullivan's one of them. And, he has a really good instinct for the way that this team needs to play to be effective. It really was a matter for me of just taking the toy away. You know, I like I, I, you can't judge a coach for what he does with Jack Johnson yeah. because every coach has done that with Jack Johnson. Yep. John Tortorella did that with Jack Johnson, you know, coaches in, in Columbus and Los Angeles mm-hmm. and, and Carolina. Like they all do it with Jack Johnson. He, he is a, bewitching factor for coaches for whatever reason i've never met the guy he must be the most charming guy in the world uh but you know jim rutherford did what he had to do he took the toy away and in my mind that is more than enough reason to think that sullivan deserves the shot here to prove what we were all saying you know uh, nine months ago or whatever which was that mike, mike sullivan was the uh jack adams uh favorite by far at the halfway point last year and suddenly, a couple things go wrong. Putting Jack Johnson with Chris LeTang on the top pairing for half a year was inexcusable. But he can't do that anymore because Jack Johnson's not here anymore. So I say give him a chance to write it out. And if it really is a matter of the guys in the room just aren't willing to do it for him like they, did, like they weren't willing to do it in the playoffs, that's when you kind of reevaluate and see if you can bring in a new voice that they'll listen to or the twilight of of the penguins window. But Mm. at at this point, it would just be an an unforced error and one that could go disastrously wrong. You know, in the article I said, I really didn't want them to bring in Peter Laviole because I just thought that it's the obvious Rutherford hire, you know, he's in Washington now, so that's not as much of an option, but
0: I also don't think he's that good of a coach, to be honest. I've never really
1: been. So I'm glad that they steered clear of that, but you know, give Sullivan the chance if it really isn't working out, if the team's like out of the playoff picture, it gets humiliated in the first round again, then that would be, I think a fair time to do it, but he's given him a chance to acquit himself this year. And hopefully he takes it and runs with it.
0: Yeah. I hope so too. I just, I, I love how brilliant of a tactician he is. I mean, just seeing how he would out coach every other coach from 2016 to 2017 was just brilliant. It was just masterful. He would just push all the right buttons, even in 2018, um a penguins team that's not gassed there probably beats washington um i will die on that hill forever too and then you know just you know i've had two unfortunate results these last couple of years but i also do think a big thing that i'm really liking for sullivan going into this season Um, he has two new assistant coaches they got rid of all the rest of those guys i mean looks like Jacques martin yeah. is like a secret agent for the penguins because now he's with the rangers and the rangers signed jack johnson so that's perfect and then you know, bringing in Todd Reardon, I think, was a good move. Um, he's not a good head coach, but he's good um, as an assistant and can run a good power play and um, can really hopefully coach up these defensemen. Uh, I'm really hoping he can. I, I'm not really the believer anymore, like, oh, like these defensemen whisperers or whatever like that. You know, everyone like to say yeah. that about Sergey Ganchar. I mean, it worked sometimes, but it didn't work at other times. But, you know, I'm hoping yeah. that he can get um, the most out of some of these guys that they brought in. And then um, uh, finally, to wrap up, Jack, what do you think the ceiling is for this penguins team uh this season i mean for all we know they could be in a new division there was rumors of that central division that they're talking about maybe in a division with chicago detroit nashville i mean i saw tampa bay would be in there too if they were in that division i would have them at second but you know um just overall like what's your ceiling for them or what do you expect from them this season
1: i I still think their ceiling is the Cup. in terms of regular season finishing, I think, you know, first, second or third, but I could see kind of any range of results just because of how many wild cards there are, When it, whether it's Tristan Jari's goaltending, when we really don't know that much about him. Uh, we don't have a lot, long sample. We've seen kind of really good stuff and, and not so good stuff from him. Uh, we obviously have new fits, uh, but at the same time, I mean, you really can't underestimate the impact of not only not having Jack Johnson, but also having potentially full years of Zucker and uh, and Gensel which is something that the Penguins really Mm. hurt from not having last year Uh, and and you know it's easy to forget uh, based on how last season ended that you know we're talking about a team that was top three in the NHL with insane injuries at the halfway mark and it was really only when Brian DeMoulin got hurt and was replaced with Jack Johnson that the wheels (laughs) kind of fell off so you know, like this. This is a insanely high ceiling team, and I think every year, kind of people get down on them, and and I think every year they kind of look a little bit silly about it until the playoffs, when when things sometimes slide out of control. But I, I still see this team as a as a real contender, even if some of the roster moves aren't too encouraging. I, I think that the guys at the top of the lineup are are just too good, and you know, even better if a guy like you know John Moreno can take yet another step. And, I mean, he was already one of the best defensive defensemen in the league last year. Mm. If he can build on that next year then uh, and, and and emerge not only as kind of a top pair guy, but maybe even a future number one guy, that would be huge and very exciting for the Penguins and could maybe kind of transition them into a new chapter here.
0: Mm, yeah, I was thinking, man, if Marino's offense comes out, uh, look out. Just just look out. I mean, because we already know just how great um, his unrolling numbers are defensively. I mean, his shot suppression numbers are – P- pretty, pretty damn good. I mean, that's, I think that was one of the biggest reasons why he was being considered for the Calder before he got hurt. And yeah, I mean, if, if his offensive numbers break out, I mean, this is going to be, I think, one of the best defensemen in the league um, at some point. If if those, if those he does get better offensively, I, I should uh, stress that part. I mean, just, that's just how it really rolls with this league. But uh, Jack, I yep. really appreciate you coming on uh, this episode, man. A lot of great content uh, for the Penguins. Um, where can they find you on Twitter and where can they find your work?
1: So uh, I'm on Twitter as at JFreshHockey. Uh, I, I tweet about every team in the NHL pretty frequently, but uh, because I am a Penguins fan, I do tend to overrepresent represent them a little bit. Uh, and they can find my writing at uh, Substack. Uh, I do kind of deep dive breakdown type pieces that kind of incorporate analytics and kind of eye test game tape stuff. So you can kind of see what's actually going on behind the underlying numbers. I uh, have only done... I think one on the Penguins so far, I did one kind of explaining how Zach Aston Reese looks so unimpressive on the ice and yet has such insane defensive numbers. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can check that out. But then also if you're curious about guys around the league, like Shay Theodore, Dougie Hamilton, Eric Carlson, Johnny Gaudreau, you can find that stuff there. And then finally uh, you can find uh, my visualizations and and a whole lot of kind of analytics toys that you can play with uh, on my Patreon at JFreshHockey. Uh, there is a, uh, a lot of stuff, including player cards, uh, uh, a lot of historical stuff as well, uh, and as well as a kind of roster builder that uses wins above replacement, where you can, for any season going back to 07 and 08, basically build out a roster of, of how you would like to have built the team or like to build the team for next year, and it will give you kind of an estimated standings points uh, outlet or projection for them so if you want to see what would have happened in 2012 if the penguins had discarded tyler kennedy and signed Yarmor yager you can see how that would have impacted <laughs> things that kind of thing so a lot of content coming out with a with that, a capital c from uh, from me that pretty much covers it
0: that's perfect yes and also yes consider donating to your uh patron everyone mm-hmm. especially the jack johnson tier which i um i absolutely find that hilarious that you have a jack johnson tier on there man oh, that is just that's the perfect name for it, especially when you go on your page. Um, consider just Definitely check out his work, guys. Um, we'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Um, the Steelers play today, so if you guys are Steelers fans, listen to this podcast. Uh, go Steelers, and hopefully we can get um, some NHL news hopefully soon about the season because it's just kind of getting uh, – um, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully get some news at some point, I guess. it's just how yeah. I'll end it. So, um, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, and I will talk to you all uh, next time.